This is the South African Composer Archive. Once again, doing this via Skype. You will know my next guest for uh, performances of his works at the Unyazi Festival, the Clocks and Clouds tribute to Ligeti, um, and as well as his work Fantasy Suite that was performed by the KZNPO. Uh, you will also know him for his work with the new music, uh, with New Music SA, and the and I should have asked to double check the pronunciation of this beforehand. Nagauni Music Institute, Nagauni. I think so. Okay, the Nagani Music Institute. Um, my next guest is currently completing his master's degree in composition at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, all the way from Durban, I'd like to introduce Jabulo Pungula. Thank you very much for sitting with me. Uh, Thank you for having me. Excellent. Let's leap straight into it. Who or what inspired you to start music or to, to pursue a career in music? Well, it was curiosity i mean uh when i was in grade seven i no grade eight actually i just started playing around with software on my computer and i became obsessed it was it was like working out a puzzle i mean every day i'd come back home from school and just you know try to write something and yeah and it sort of went from there right do you do you come from a musical family at all or is sort of are you the the only one kind of thing uh i'm not the only one but uh, you know it's only it's only fairly recently that some of my cousins have been showing an interest in the arts and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, at home, I mean, there's, there was always music playing, but no one actually in my family sings or plays an instrument. So it was really just me. Okay, cool. What is your main instrument, actually? I mean, I guess we could say the piano, but I, I don't re- I'm not really good at playing the piano. I mean, I sort <laughs> of play for myself, but it's the one instrument that I can say that I sort of play. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you are, as mentioned, like you're currently finishing a degree uh, in composition or a master's degree. Yeah. Um, so when you started uh, studying music, was it a case of uh, you wanted to go straight into composition or was it while you were at the university you discovered that you kind of liked it or something like that? Yeah, I, I already knew. I mean, I, I went to university with the intention of studying composition. Right. Um, I came to the realization maybe when I was 16 or 17 that, you know, writing orchestral music was something I wanted to do. Right. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I remember when I was in, in matric, uh, apparently this is something I inherited from my dad, but it was just the notion of like, cannot wait to get out of school. And yeah. you just want to go straight and, and like write some music kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so once you're, you're finishing uh, at the university, so th- this is interesting for me in as much as, uh, or let's try that again, this conversation, you're the first person that I'm speaking to who's still uh, very much in the thick of, of university, still studying it. Um, do you yeah. have plans once you're done here to go overseas at all? Do you have, have you already sort of been thinking about where you'd like to uh, continue? No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not planning on uh continuing my studies at the moment but okay. it's it's kind of hard to say i guess when you're a composer in classical music you 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 know making plans doesn't seem like uh like it's necessarily going to to help i mean it's yeah i mean you you think of yourself as a freelancer right and yes and, but you try to think of interesting ways in which you can uh put your music out there i'm i mean i'm i'm i, I guess teaching is a is a possible avenue to to go into after this so teach uh, school school music or uh teaching piano or, or composition uh anything you know um, right. 
that, that you know I find interesting. I mean, I'm I'm very much interested in the in the idea of sharing my love of music with other people. So whatever comes. Yeah, no, that that is very very important. Like. I, uh, so, I mean, what I mentioned a couple of times, like, I teach violin as well to little kids, and yeah. one of the things that I did last year um, is collectively, as uh, sort of with the small string ensemble, I taught them how to compose a piece together. Uh, oh. It was sort of along the lines of, like, if, if I'm going to be playing, like, you know, ensemble music... I might as well make it a little more interesting for myself, in inverted commas. So yeah. we, we had a, a thing of, like, I think at the beginning of the year, someone had, uh, there was a demonstration that involved Little Red Riding Hood. So okay. it was like, okay, well, who in the, what, what story shall we base this piece on? And immediately all the kids were like, ah, Little Red Riding Hood, Little Red I was like, okay, well, that's easy. <laughs> um, so yeah. through that, there was one kid in particular who showed a lot of interest in composition and yeah. would play like a little tune it's like okay great that that's the the little red riding hood theme then and from there i i started teaching them about like chance music and slightly more aleatoric kind of ideas of like yeah. okay so she's walking through the forest what kind of bird noises would she hear and how would you make these bird noises on the violin or creature noises or whatever creating sort of a little more chance thing um, in the end, I, I kind of gave up with that whole process and uh, <laughs> added a last movement uh, by vote uh, based on uh, Justin Bieber's Baby Baby. Um, oh, so the, the piece very quickly became <laughs> uh, Little Red Riding Hood and the Lum Bieber Jack. But anyway, <laughs> so you've been involved already with quite a few festivals and stuff. What was the, the first commission that be it for paid or for not paid, that someone that you know, uh, someone approached and said, "Hey, I'd like you to write something for us." Yeah, so that was the um, the commission I got from New Music Essay for the Legacy Clocks and Clouds tribute. Right. That that's uh, uh, it's called Abyss, right? Yeah, Abyss. Yeah. And so the idea behind the commission was that we would me, I, myself, and the other composer would uh, compose a piece uh, in response to. Uh, any work or works by Ligeti. Right. And um, at the event, which took place uh, at an art gallery in, in Stellenbosch, which uh, I, I didn't attend the thing, but um, what would happen was uh, an artist would create a piece of uh, visual art in response to the work that was being played at that moment. So right. there was this interesting dialogue where I'm responding to works by Ligeti and the artist is responding to, to my works. Right. I saw a little bit of footage of that. It looked really interesting, just sort of the work that she was doing. God, interesting is such the wrong word. I've, uh, I always think of, like, there was a piece of mine which was done in Bloom once, and I had someone coming up to me after the concert and said, uh, Hi, Peter. Firstly, completely confusing me for the wrong fundake. And then after a long pause going, that was a really interesting work <laughs> it's just like th yeah. thanks thanks a lot <laughs> but i mean the piece the piece itself is really really cool uh so oh, the, the, your use of electronics and and uh, very much you can hear the 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 clocks and the clouds kind of uh, inter intertwined if, if that makes mm. sense um, okay, yeah, thank you. So talking about like your first, uh, your, your first commission with Abyss, um, you mentioned or you sent me as an example of an older work, the, the piece Echoes. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about that piece. So that was one of the pieces I wrote um, in my third year, I think it was. 
No, 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 in my fourth year. Right. And I was uh, studying composition still at, um, with, with uh, Jürgen Bruininger. Okay. And uh, the idea behind the piece was um, to, to write a piece in which the, the, the electronic part is a collection of piano samples and that sort of thing. Um, right. And, uh, and then, so it's for live piano and electronics. And I was, it was kind of a personal thing because I'm not, I'm not a good pianist. And <laughs> yeah. I thought it would be interesting to have an additional tape part that is to, to sort of compensate for my lack of piano playing skills. And I, I wanted it to be a piece I could play easily, the piano part, and and have a, a, a tape part on top of that. Right. Yeah. So you, you are the performer on, on the recording. Yes, I am. Right, right, right. It's also a really, really cool piece. Like, I, the idea... This is just how my brain works. I'm assuming the title Echoes is, is not connected to Pink Floyd or anything like that at all. No, no, no. No, okay. <laughs> just checking.
so you use quite a lot of uh, in the works of yours that I've heard you use uh, a lot of tape and and elements like that. Um, so how do you compose? How do you put these pieces together? Uh, okay, well, first I think I should point out that I don't. I it's you know it's just it just so happens that most of my pieces, uh, or at least like my sort of major pieces, have. Uh, had electronic parts in them. Okay. I don't even. Yeah, it's not even like my most interesting. You know, I'm not even most interested in that sort of thing. I'm, I'm more of an acoustic music guy. Okay. But yeah, my so my process. I think it's different when it comes to my electronic pieces. I tend to sort of go with the flow. I don't do as much planning as I do with my acoustic pieces. Um, I like to collect samples. Uh, just recording random noises, tapping on the piano, or, or on a table, or just. Uh, scratching noises on various surfaces and just seeing what I can do with it. Right. It's the, the thing about electronic music is that you can you can do so much that to 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 plan it beforehand to me anyways feels like limiting yourself because the the the, the actual experimenting might produce you know a, a million other things and so you you never know what those things can be until you actually try it out. So. Right. Um, the so if you write sort of more acoustically kind of stuff, I assume then you have a very different way of putting it together. Yeah, so my acoustic pieces have a lot more planning uh, involved. I try to start with some kind of a diagram or a drawing, in which I like to draw out the shape of the piece. You know how it sort of flows, but that's usually a first impression. It's not something that sticks with me right. that that I that I'm going to stick with throughout the entire piece. But I like to put that have that image stuck up on my wall as I'm composing. But then I like to sit down afterwards and start, you know, creating material, deciding what the harmonic language of the piece is going to be, creating various motifs and uh, and working out the structure and then I, I take it from there. Right. Do you do you have a studio? Do you uh, go out into the world to write? No, I I pretty much work in the same room. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I try to do as much as I can on the page before I take everything to uh, Sibelius or whatever. I mean, obviously we, we mentioned Ligeti, but uh, who or what would you regard are your biggest musical influences? Uh, okay, at the moment, I have to say that both of my teachers, uh, Jürgen Breuninger and Claire Love, they've been my, my biggest influences. Right. Mostly because... A lot of the things I think about when I'm writing my pieces are the responses that they've given to my previous works, uh, comments that they've given about things I'm I should maybe improve on or things that I should do more of. Right. I I tend to find that those you know, you know using their advice as a as a guide for my compositions, um, I guess it, it it means a lot more to me than I'm influenced by the music of this composer because at least with their the advice that I get from from other people about my work it's it's something that has a lot of meaning to me because it's always a response to my own compositions and so I can do a lot more with it so I mean of of like the the influences I mean are there any sort of inadverted commas the great masters that you sort of look back at even if you don't necessarily you know I wouldn't say like you sound like Beethoven or something like that but would you have is there some kind of foot in there at all or have you sort of gone straight to kind of the more 20th century kind of artists, I guess? I guess with the older composers, I, I look at Debussy and Stravinsky. Right. Especially Stravinsky. It's kind of hard to, to avoid him. Yes. Um, but, you know, I guess I'm, I'm pretty new to contemporary music. And I'll have to say that, you know, Boulez, Bird's Whistle, Unsuk Chin, Ligeti, 
you know, those are the sort of composers who I I tend to, you know, I feel like I learn a lot from listening to their works and right. studying them. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Stravinsky is obviously like the big one, I think, for, for many people. I yeah. uh, quite regularly would bore friends of mine who were not into classical music at all by playing the various extracts of the Rite of Spring and it's just kind of going like, no, can't you fucking hear? This is where metal was born and like, this is rock and roll and this like... No, it's like, yeah, come back, definitely. I'm not finished talking to you. Kind of like... Um, but so, I mean, what what is interesting, I, I guess, like from a... Because you're still at very much the beginning of your career, I think. Um, yeah. I, and like part of this whole, this, uh, project, it, it's a bit of a double edged sword because I know, like I was looking at the listener recently, it's currently at about 170 names. When I started, it was at about Ooh. 130. So if I try and manage to keep up this, uh, sort of trying, I'm, I'm trying my best to manage to do one a week. I will okay. still be doing this for about four years. So the, wow. the problem in adverted commas is when do I speak to certain people? Because it's the mm. thing of like, some are more kind of at the beginning of their career, others I'd love to sort of come back and revisit. Yes, um, you, you are definitely someone, like from what I've heard of yours, I'd love to see where how your music develops. Um, mm. Like in, you know, 10 years, five years. But even in, in the short period of time, like the works that you've sent me, it's sort of all across like maybe about four years, five years of, of music. Um, would you say that, that your style has changed at all since you first wrote? I mean, what, when, when exactly did you, the first time you ever put like pen to page, did you ever decide like, now I'm going to write something? Um, I've asked about three questions there. Sorry. No, no, no. It's a a good question. Um, the first time I put pen to page, it must've been when I was in grade 11 or something. Right. Um, yeah. And I was... To be honest, I was jumping the gun because I I never really started out writing pieces for piano. I tried to go straight into writing for large orchestra, which right. is the is like the worst thing you can possibly do it's at that ambitious. age because it just destroys your confidence because you never get it right the first time. Right. Um, yeah, and so I think shortly after that, I pretty much stopped writing on paper for most of you know the rest of high school, and I just started doing everything on on the computer and. I, I never really wrote complete pieces until I started at university because I was always fooling around and I could never finish anything. So yeah. Right. Um, but would you say that your your style has changed, especially like Ooh. since you've started using things like Sibelius? Because I know from my side, something like that has been a huge help. Um, as, as a non-pianist to be able to sort of have it play back to one simultaneously. Also, I find it, it frees one a little bit more instead of like, if, if one, if the only way you hear things is on a piano, then whatever you write is going to sound like you've written it at a piano. I find. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I would say my, my style changed, I guess a lot, maybe I, I guess last year, cause it was really wasn't 2016 that I started to become familiar with contemporary music. Right. Before that, I, for me, orchestral music either ended with Stravinsky in classical music or it was film scores, and that was pretty much it. And it was only around 2016 that I began focusing on contemporary music, and it completely changed my way of, of, of hearing music. I, I even heard older music, you know, differently, and so it's had a profound, I think, influence on, on the way that I write music. 
I think what what is interesting, and I'm just thinking of this as we're as we're talking. Um, so a lot of the people that I've spoken to have sort of either been from Cape Town or Joburg. Um, I don't really know the Durban scene that well. I mean, I've been up there once or twice to play with the orchestra or to see production. I was there on holiday once when I was very little, but like, I don't really know the the scene that well. I know of Jürgen and obviously I know Claire who I'm, does she sort of come down to Durban every now and then to, to teach there? Yeah. So we, we communicate mostly over the internet, but yeah, right. the, the few times that she comes down, we're able to, you know, get, get a lot done. Would you say that, I mean, you're saying, like, your knowledge of, of contemporary music, obviously through Jürgen, uh, from what I've heard of him and his music, I, I'm very confident that there's quite a strong, like, foot in, you know, what is happening contemporary, like, he knows what's going on. Would you say that there's maybe still slightly an older view of looking at music at the university? Yeah, I would say, I would say so. Um, one of the problems was that we, I was one of only two composition students in both the years that I studied with Jürgen. And the whole attitude that the university had was, it was geared more towards, you know, the, the sort of traditional canon. And we had, I believe, only a single lecture. And the entire time I was at UK then a single lecture on anything as new as the, the second Viennese school. Right. And the only person who really tried to get me into contemporary music was Jürgen. Yeah. And even with him, I, I had a hard time just getting into it because it would be one or two lessons with him. And then I'd go back to every single lecture being Berlioz and Beethoven and Handel. Yeah. And it felt like we were being indoctrinated, I guess, in a way to, to reject contemporary music that the attitude seemed to be, oh, this music is, is not important. That's interesting. And yeah. it, it's it's one I could agree to a certain point with UCT as well. And they like it that it's I understand that it's quite difficult if one is teaching it, especially like contemporary stuff, you know, because there is so much out there at the moment. I understand that, like, one sometimes needs a little bit of time, you know, a couple of years to pass before you can kind of go, okay, this person is important. This person did something that's worth checking out. But it is also that thing of, like, then you need to, I guess, as a lecturer or whatever, make uh, an executive decision, as it were, to decide, like, okay, no, you know what? Like, people should hear about, you know, John Luther Adams or Missy Mazzoli or whatever, whoever is currently doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and that then I think kind of falls then on, on the shoulders of the lecturers. But what like and I, I remember being in a, a conversation that uh, Claire was leading at, at Africa Open in Stellenbosch a while back. And uh, Koyla Endestine mentioned uh, or said something along the lines of like, it's really difficult actually to go and find it. It takes efforts to go out and find that information. Yeah. And be it a thing of like there isn't time or just like I don't wanna I don't care <laughs> like yeah. these all play into effect so it does kind of yeah it it's just interesting to hear that this is sort of across the board I don't know how it is at Vitz like when I started this I uh, or long before I I started speaking to people. I put a thing up on Facebook kind of going like, well, can people tell me from the various universities who is being taught of South African composers? Like who is on the syllabus? Um, And I managed to get a little bit of information from Stellenbosch and from UCT, but I didn't hear anything from from, uh, Joburg's side. So I, I generally don't know like 
how far they go, uh, like be it locally or internationally. Um, is this is this now specifically classical music, or do you do you mean just South African music in general? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah, in general, oh. I guess. Like there, there are what was interesting to see uh, just from the list that I got, and I think they they're I'm definitely going to say there's information missing that I didn't receive, so I'm not going to say this is how it is. But um, it was interesting to see how uh, Stellenbosch uh, University kind of had a much broader kind of like, uh, or it covered more names and bases and kind of, you know, from every aspect of uh, of South African music, be it art or traditional or whatever. It just, the, the impression that I got, but like that being said, I'm I'm very aware that uh, UCT has, has got like a huge... Um, sort of traditional music block there's, there's that uh, museum there or where it has all the, the traditional instruments and stuff like that so i know yeah. it's definitely happening so i'm not going to go as far as saying like well it's not happening there so like i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say that yeah. um but yeah no anyway it, it's just it's interesting to see that like even now i mean you you're still there that this is sort of the how things seem to be like i know like when i was a yeah. student there it, it was this frustration of you know we're not learning enough about like what's actually happening mm. um which then you know there was a and i'll stop waffling in a moment but there was a, a thing <laughs> of uh when i when i again when i was like preparing to do this whole uh, archive thing i uh did a, a google search and found something about uct someone had written a paper during the 80s and it had to do with the fact that, like, or the person who, who set the paper was, like, trying to... Uh, it, the question was basically if students felt that they were learning information that they needed for the future. Uh, or yeah. as to, like, approach a career in music. Um, and I had to smile because it was sort of, like, the exact same things that the students in the 80s... I mean, let's not let, let, let's not kid ourselves. Not quite the exact same things. There was obviously uh, the whole apartheid issue, which they did <laughs> mention. But it is, yeah. like, for the most part, like, kids or the students were complaining, like, yeah, you know, there, there's not enough about current music. So it's just interesting to see that, like, you know, however many years now have passed since then... Um, it's the same problems. Um, anyway, enough about me and, and universities. Uh, tell me a little bit about, so, your more current works. Yeah, so, I guess, yeah, I've been trying to take a more contemporary approach to composition now, and I'm not so focused, of course, on, on you know, strict tonality and that sort of thing. Yes. Um, my, my master's portfolio, for example, has been mostly based on its works that are sort of based on literary sources. Okay. Uh, compositions that are inspired by short stories and, and poems and, and novels and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm very interested in, in other art forms other than just music and, and uh, how they can inspire me. Um, you mentioned there, there's a work, uh, I'll probably it's, uh, mispronounce this, Ecoulement? Ecoulement? Yeah, Ecoulement. Ecoulement. Uh, this was written for Naomi Sullivan. Yes. Yeah, who uh, we I've never actually officially met her, but we've communicated an email. She's done a couple of my pieces in the past. Um, oh, tell me about cool. the piece. It, it means flow, right? Yeah, so flowing and that sort of thing. And I wanted to write a piece 
it was more of a compositional study for me, a piece which wasn't, uh, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, sort of melodies with lots of leaps and that sort of thing. I wanted something that just would slide around and, right. and, and seeing how much I can do with that concept. And so it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a fun piece to write. It's probably the most fun I've had writing a piece because I thought that conceptually it was just, it gave me a lot of opportunities to try out different things.
this is the usual uh, for those who are playing the 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 drinking game at home for this podcast. Uh, the difficult question that I ask everybody: How do you survive or make a living as a composer, as a, or as a musician? Well, I guess you ask yourself what your strengths and weaknesses are. You have to be aware of what all that is. Um, I'm confident that, especially in South Africa, you cannot sustain yourself on commissions alone. Yes. Uh, of course, you know if you're writing music for for visual media like video games and television and film that's that's a good idea but um i'm still living with my parents admittedly so i'm i've i've had a pretty pretty sheltered last couple of years right um yeah i mean i again i i've been considering you know teaching and performance is not really my my strong suit so yeah your intention is to stay in Durban? Would you ever consider coming to Cape Town or, or Joburg? Yeah, I'll consider uh, going to Cape Town. I, I mean, Cape Town is, is um, I've, I've been, I enjoyed myself the last time I went there. And that's certainly one place that I would go to, um, either Cape Town or, or Durban. I'm not, I'm not entirely against Joburg or anything, but, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in going anywhere that uh, sort of inspires me creatively. And Right. I mean, I, again, like I don't really know the Durban scene at all, but is there is there a sort of a, an underground new music scene? Um, not nearly as uh, not not in the way that Cape Town and Joburg have them. I mean, uh, I can't think of too many people in Durban who you know would would necessarily fit the bill, for example, for this sort of podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's very big. Yeah, it's it's pretty small. Okay, but I mean, yeah. they, they are stuff that that does happen every now and then. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I mean, it is, you know, like I look at, uh, I saw today on Facebook that the Orbitz is closed in Joburg and it's sort of like another live venue going. And like, from what I understand, the just sort of uh, from friends of mine and and people in my my collective who they've all kind of moved up to Joburg because more seems to be happening there. So, Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to see like, where how things are developing where things are going to go so i'm just sort of like making sure like do i need to move to durban to have a career so to speak so, yeah i guess the new music scene in this country is interesting because most of us who write new music are not necessarily thinking of the concert halls i mean they're not necessarily giving us the biggest platform and so you see a lot of people having their works performed in art galleries and other unconventional venues so yeah. it's, it's it's a fascinating uh you know situation that we're in i think I it's very I find it very exciting. Like yeah. I uh, one of the the most like eye-opening moments for me was uh when I lived in New York for a couple of months. There was okay. a uh, there were a couple of venues, I think of Le Poisson Rouge, and there was another place called Galapagos which I think is closed now or become something else. Um where you could go into a bar and hear contemporary classical music. And like the notion of, you know, having a beer and listening to Philip Glass uh, and, you know, like if you're bored with it, you go outside and have a smoke kind of thing and no one judges you. And Mm. like that for me was like this, this is the pinnacle of awesome. Like, you know, could be in a bar and hear classical music um, or art music. 
And yeah. it was that kind of like when when I got back myself and and a couple of friends of mine, Cara and and Petra Hoffmeyer is a violinist. We sort of spoke about it a little bit of like, okay, well, what can we do? And we went around to bars in Cape Town with like we put together a disc of like this is the kind of music that we would play, and tried yeah. to tried to find stuff that was like people would go like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, and the general reaction that we got, and this is, let it be said, this is like 2009 or 2010. Um, so the reaction that we got at the time was, yeah, but it's not rock or jazz. And it's like, yeah, but that's the point. Like, quite, that's what we don't want to do that. And, but it, it was interesting to see how it took maybe about five years um before like in cape town at any rate we had places like blah 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 which were then kind of like open to the idea of like yeah no let's have something slightly more kind of classical uh Mm. where you can still have a beer but you know listen to a string quartet kind of thing yeah um so yeah but it, it is i it is exciting to see that that's sort of growing here if only the venues wouldn't keep closing. So <laughs> that that's uh, another story. Yeah. But so of the stuff that you have done, I saw you you uh, had something performed with the KZMPO. Yeah. So the orchestra came to our uh, to campus uh, in two thousand and fifteen, and they were performing with the some of the opera students. And uh, I had a piece that I'd written, and I, you know, I basically sent it to them and asked them if they would be willing to perform it at the thing because i'd never had any of my pieces performed by musicians professional musicians at that point and okay. you know they came back to me and said they would perform it so yeah that's that's what happened it was just a, one of those uh you know like the end of the semester concerts that they had at the um on campus that's fantastic um yeah. so of the various performances that you've had what would you say is a, a favorite of yours okay this is this is going to be an unconventional answer it was at Unyazi in 2016 i had written a piece that was commissioned it was called kaleido patterns and it was for string quartets piano vibraphone and electronics and it was a terrible piece okay it was terrible i knew it was terrible at the first rehearsal but that was my favorite thing about it because this is what I told you about how I sort of got into contemporary music in around 2016. Because I had such a sheltered experience with music at UK then, you know, going out to Inyazi was my first time being around all these creative people and basically being in an environment where I was forced to listen to contemporary music because that's all they were playing. Right. And I, I knew my piece was really bad and that it was, you know, I was not as imaginative as what everyone else was doing. But I was so happy about that because I knew immediately what I'd gotten wrong. Right. And the best thing that can happen to someone is to is to learn your mistake immediately and not to have to wait weeks or years to look back on something and go, oh, that's what I did wrong. And that's why, you know, that this is my lesson. And I, I knew immediately that I'd written a terrible piece of music. <laughs> and I was more than happy to have people hear it. I know it was, was terrible, but my, 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 it was just my favorite thing about it was that I learned something and I knew exactly what I learned. So, yeah, it was, that, that was, that's my answer. That's a, a fantastic mindset to have. You're, you're a much better person than me, I must say. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I, I would 
be very hesitant to like send something out in the world if if I knew like this is not so good or whatever. I'm trying to remember yeah. if I actually saw that being performed because I was at at uh, some of the Unyazi evenings. Was that by any chance with like Waldo Alexander and Frank Mallows and and people like that? Yeah, yeah, it was. I'm wondering if I was there for that because I know there was one evening. Was it the same evening where there was like this? Anyway, not to shit on another person's work, um, but so from from a piece that you don't like to what is your favorite piece that you've written at the moment? So, I I've written a piece called a meditation on Maya, which was for uh, tape. It's for four channels, and the original idea was to score a, a film by Maya Deren. Uh, who was an experimental filmmaker. Right. Um, in the end, I couldn't, uh, I wasn't sure if I could, you know, sort of work out the rights issue for the concerts right. for screening the movie. So I ended up writing a piece that was inspired by her films. And what I did was, I built on the idea that I had with my earlier piece, Echoes, and I just created a bunch of piano samples. And the entire piece is based on these processed piano sounds. Um, and the idea was to create a kind of uh, musical um, interpretation of Maya Deren's, like, surrealist films. And, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those pieces I'm really happy with because it, for me anyways, I felt like I had a goal and I sort of achieved it. Um, I, I just, I wanted to be felt like the film of Maya Deren and, to, you know, in terms of what they, what they say to me and I, I felt I was able to do that.
What is the the best advice that you've ever received from a teacher or a mentor? Uh, just do as much as you can with one idea. You know, um, you know, don't, don't be so quick to move on to something else. I mean, just see what you can do with. I mean, just the tiniest kernel of an idea. Yeah. Um, you know, be creative. Anything. Yeah, I guess that the whole idea of less is more. It, it's very. I guess common for for sort of younger composers, you want to try and put as much information as you can as possible. Even older composers, like I must, there's there's a piece that I'm currently working on which I need to revisit with yeah. that approach of less is more. Because I I was saying to a friend of mine, I after weeks of writing could sit down and listen back to it and decide, no, this is crap. <laughs> like no, need to do something about this. Um, so from that to <laughs> What would you suggest to an aspiring composer or what would you like to see for uh, the South African new music scene? What suggestions would you have for it? Okay, well, firstly, as often as possible, uh, listen to everything. And I don't just mean classical music. I mean, just everything, whether it's jazz, whether it's hip-hop, whether it's pop music, rock, anything. There's always something to learn from something and from someone. Um, and read as many scores as you can, you know. Um, it's, I mean, it's one thing to hear something, it's another thing to read it and to try to deconstruct it. So, you know, just try to open yourself as much as possible to, to writing more, reading more, and uh, don't limit yourself even to music. Uh, you know, look, look, look at paintings, uh, read poetry. I mean, there's, there's, there's always something out there. Don't, don't limit yourself at all. Yeah, no, it, it's true. It's just sort of how much you can take from every medium. It, it's very, very true. Mm. So that is the gauntlet, as it were, of the, the questions I ask everybody. Um, I did a quick shout on Facebook earlier, and uh, it's quite funny. As the conversation has been going, I've had to change my last question from the audience 
uh, as you've answered it like several times, which had to do about technology. Um, so I'll give you a nice easy one. If anyone is listening to this and they would like to ask a question to any composer, uh, you're welcome to contact me on Facebook or on Twitter at Bat Composer or I'm on Instagram. Um, and the question that I got is, uh, what is the most regular or annoying earworm that you get stuck in your head on a regular basis? You know, this is embarrassing, but it's a song Barbieville by Aqua. <laughs> and, you know, it's not a crime to have that song in your head, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's one of those songs I can't get out because it, it's pretty much tethered to a, a, a specific time in my life and I just can't get it out. Well, I mean, it, this is between you and me and whoever listens to this. <laughs> 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 but like this intrigues me like i mean bobby bobby girl was big when i was at school why how do you know this song hey i don't know just this, this sort of comes up on the radio every now and then and you know that sort of thing but i i remember it cropping up on the radio when i was so little and yeah, yeah. it's just sort of stuck with me since then <laughs> well it is a catchy song in, in your defense yeah. <laughs> But so if anyone wanted to uh, follow like upcoming concerts or anything like that, where's the best way that they could follow you? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram as uh, uh, just my full name, Jabulu Pungula. That's my Twitter, that's my Instagram handle. And um, I'm on Facebook too. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter too. But, you know, there's a lot of non-music related posting going on there. Um, but you, if you want me on Twitter, I'm, uh, it's Jab. Kungula is my handle. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time and sitting with me or, or Skyping with me rather. Um, yeah. And as I said, like I I'm keep thinking, I think it's from the, the Star Wars Phantom Menace. It's like, we will be watching your career with great interest. Thank you.